0: The information and opinions contained in this podcast are completely from the individuals at the point of recording. It does not reflect the views of the organisations and employers past, present and future. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. The producers make no representation or warranty as to its adequacy, completeness, accuracy or timeliness for any particular purpose and it is not necessarily indicative of the future or likely performance. UNCOOL is recorded on Audio-Technical Mics. Hi listeners, it's Yan Ling. Thank you for tuning in to the UNCOOL and Freelance Creative Exchange. If you would like to hear more on what we're up to in our other UNCOOL moments, then here's another podcast to check out, Grandfather's Road. In each episode, we walk down a street that sparks curiosity. What is their history? Why are they caught what they're caught? And who are the people who walked that same road? Come with me, Yin Ling, your host, as we explore some of the streets that stand out for one reason or another. Some might be old and steeped in history. Others might be so new that you never even knew that they existed. Either way, take a step deeper into this exploratory and immersive podcast, Grandfather's Road. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. And now back to the show. So you're just joining us this week, please go back and catch up on last week's episode because this is the second episode where we are talking to multi-hyphenate Dennis Toh. So let's run this down, right? He's a tertiary education lecturer, he's published a book before, he's a financial advisor, he's multiple small business owner, and we all have the same 24 hours a day. So Dennis, why not you just introduce yourself in case I missed out any of these hyphens?
1: Wow. Or, or, or you add, maybe you added more hyphens in the yeah, last but actually, one I'm also know. an
2: actor <laughs> That's something that a lot of people miss out as well uh, But uh, I get it a lot, that's fine um, Yeah, I am sometimes called a lecturer who acts Or maybe an actor who lectures as well I'm also being called as a freelancer Maybe a businessman, an entrepreneur
1: Okay, so Dennis, it is a misconception then That it's very cool to be a boss uh, the Yeah, way that you it, put it is, it is. <laughs> So don't be a boss.
0: But there's a lot of hard work that goes into being a boss. You have to live up
1: with the
2: name when people call you boss, you know, because I really hate it when people call you boss, you know, because it feels like you have a lot of obligations and you have a lot of responsibilities that you have to take. While it sounds very nice, it puts you in a very nice stature, but the undercurrents and the underpinnings is something that you cannot imagine.
0: With great power comes great responsibility.
2: Correct, correct, correct. So for all the business owners... I out to them because they really, really shoulder a lot of responsibilities. And the fact that now, there's a lot of work culture going on. There's a lot of cancer culture going on.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, if yeah. they're not
2: careful with the way they handle their communication, people can just boycott you.
1: It's not just boycott. It's just like that they, they they get overly sensitive and just victimize you. So Because, you know, they, they I, uh, I don't like you, so I'm just going to go and complain about you or something. I'm not, I'm not saying that happens, but I uh, yeah, yeah. guess people get... It just allows people to do that. So for a while,
2: I was actually championing for... Ratings for customers because you know businesses get the ratings on Facebook and reviews and all that, right? The business owners get all these ratings and reviews, and then we are, we get rated for numbers and all that, right? So I was actually trying to champion for
1: customers being rated as well, <laughs> and then, then after they say, "Hey, why?" And then if you so aggrieved, and you give them very bad ratings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it, that that is uncool, but you know, it's cool to be uncool, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious though, because you have so many hyphens, has there ever been a a, mo- a time, a moment in time for you where you absolutely had nothing? Like, did nothing nothing worked, nothing was going for you, and yet, nothing on your plate?
2: I mean, it could be the time when I joined Star Search. I was in the top 12 uh, in 201, just for your info. I, I went to Star Search and I really went in uh, as the top 12 contestants. Uh, but I didn't score well because I was too young and I didn't know how to behave or rather play the game well. So I was ranked fifth or fourth, you know, but... Uh, right. the top at, least, at
1: least you weren't last.
2: But I think that was a time where, you know, when I'm not signed by Minicorp, I felt that, oh, there's nothing left. Then after that, I went to regional marketing. Yeah, I think that was the time where I had nothing on my plate,
1: so to speak. Yeah. So since then, you consistently had something something to do I think so
0: and last um, episode Dennis we actually ended on this question right about passive income i think passive income is something that like everyone thinks oh yeah
1: it's important oh it's very cool to have some like you know and they and you know they tend to romanticize it like- and
0: i think this is something that people want to know especially for freelancers you know we we tend to be very specialized in our skill set and not very business savvy i i speak for myself i have to say
2: i think the term passive income has changed um over the years I, when we hear of passive income in the past it is essentially, money rolling, right? While you sleep or while you are away somewhere in the beach resort.
1: Oh, I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm but then I'm, I'm still making money. It's so money romantic. Yeah, it's, it's so very romantic. romantic. It's like, it oh yeah. Concert. It's like, I'm, I'm eating, I'm having this dinner that's paid for by my yeah. passive income. And if you do it wrongly and you're unsuccessful or worse, end up losing money, then that's, that's just not going to, that's not very fun. I would say in the past, if you have a blog and if you have
2: like a website or YouTube videos and all that, um when we do passive like income works, right? It is really when your blog entries are getting hit all the time and then people are going into your blog and then you know AdWords will pay you, right? AdSense will pay you and then you get uh, all this money, recurring money all the time. So it was quite possible uh, in the early 2010, 11, 12, because uh, back then there were a lot of bloggers that came into the scene. So they created their blogs, right, if you recall, and then uh they attract uh traffic into the blog, and then they have all these ads that are you know populated through Google AdSense. And that is a form of passive income because it is permanently you know stored online as well. Right? Likewise, when we talk about YouTube, all right, a lot of them they create content right? because the videos are there forever, so the ads pop up and then they get the recurring content. So when we say passive income, it means that you just have to produce one time and the Income stream is exponential and it is scalable, all right, and that's where you do not need to do too much, your sort of your output, right, stays there, but actually what you're getting is a lot more. Right? That's a form of passive income. I would say that now uh, the term has shaped or evolved into alternative streams, or we say just uh, additional income streams, right? So meaning to say that we still have to work for that income, all right, and we still have to spend time effort for the money to come as well. So what I'm seeing is that a lot of people who are doing full-time work, they're getting like a monthly salary. By the same time, the monthly salary does not meet their needs enough, right? Because of inflation and of course, a rising cost and all that. So a lot of them are looking at alternative streams. So that's where they think that, oh, maybe I can have a side income. I can actually do uh, grab driving, right? Uh, at night uh, like, or weekends. Like, like, side
1: hus- like a side hustle.
2: Yeah, a side hustle, but, yeah, which but, I met you. But, but, um, but that's not really uh, passive income, which, isn't it? That's not, yeah. But in a sense, then, I think a lot of, a lot of them could find new alternative sources of income because of the rise of technology and social media as well. So I, I would say in the truest form of passive income, it is that ecosystem that you have created and that uh, money just continue to just drop, lah from somewhere
0: <laughs> so that's that's what you were mentioning about your your first business or the food reflex you have built a system and just let it run by itself and then you would just bring money in especially while at that time you were working already as a, a full-time lecturer right yeah it's, it's entirely different as well when you say food reflexology i'm like what <laughs> how did that come about i was actually
2: looking at the website for at least maybe three to four weeks so I was going into to their website, it's called businessforsale.com uh, and I was just looking for like potential uh, sales.
1: I'm very curious about this because you said you went to look around and you found a business that was for sale and you said, I'm going to buy that. <laughs> uh, and I, I always wonder, how does that work? Right? You-
2: I was looking at a cafe. Uh, I was quite crazy. I even went down to a few cafes and then to uh, chit chat and then to see if I could uh, buy the business as well. So I was religiously just camping myself on the website, and then I'm just looking at new uh, entries, right? So, when, I, when there was this uh, entry that came, right, which is like food massage, I thought, why not? You know, it was like a lifestyle business and it's food massage and it's in its coast. So, I thought that um, I should try to meet up with a person. And because back then, I Want To was newly renovated as well, it used to be called Katong Mall or something. And uh, I Want To was like going to open. So, I saw the opportunity and I felt that that was a safe bet. And also, uh, within the vicinity, there's also a lot of new condos coming up. So, I saw that, okay, there's going to be a, a lot of uh, residents along that vicinity. And that's when I decided to just plunge in and sort of purchase that business.
1: So, so, it boils down to being a capo and doing due diligence.
2: Yeah, I mean, a little bit of research is needed. Lah. You do need to make sure that you research but of course, I actually turn it into something that is very social as well because I create a website thereafter. I thought the place, I created a lot of Facebook uh, posts and then I make it very vibrant. So you can turn something that is from a nobody to somebody, you know. but that's where you have the marketing knowledge. La. Then you have to then brand it and then to make it something that is uh, likable and then uh, people just come and support the brand
0: you put your own spin on it yeah put your own spin on it speaking of putting on your own spin the uncool podcast can help you do that just drop us an email at contact@creatives@work.asia or slide into our DMs tell us your story and we'll do it the rest now that sounds like a pretty cool idea to me
1: there, like this little voice in the head saying, hey, they're selling the business. Something must be up. Huh? Why are they selling it? I mean, if it's, if, it, if, it, if it's so good to do the business and it's bringing in such a good success and good profits, then why sell it? Definitely,
2: Something I would not, think about <laughs> that. But I would also think that I would be the one making a difference huh? because the one managing and, you know, it's different. You know, she's managing it. That's why she can't handle it. But if I, given, you know, given to the a different person, the way it's been managed is also uh, different as well. So the deciding factor is you, you you're the one who make a difference.
0: So it's not so much the business model in that sense. The business model is sound after your due diligence, right? And the the location, everything was okay.
2: She didn't want to employ full-time employee. Uh, She didn't want to employ part-time masseuse. But then she had a full-time masseuse and that uh, she kept lamenting that she didn't have help and that people come in and then... Uh, There's a lot of uh, waste opportunity. So she told me that. So then I thought that, you know, why not just hire freelancers? I found a few and then they just called their friends to come on weekends. And then my pool of masseuse become a lot more. So when I'm able to get more masseuse in, I'm able to cater to the growing demand on weekends as well. And that's where I'm able to match the demand supply. And then I'm able to uh, cover more, uh, in a sense.
1: I'm very curious to know exactly what. How, how do you run a brick and mortar store nowadays, like, like such as your foot fluxology, Because the way I look at it, I think there's there's many many constraints, right? Like for I mean, and many things to consider. The rental for one. Uh, limited space especially now given the last two years is even less than before but there's only a limited upside you can do because if you're a full house you're a full house and these things is labor intensive you can only massage in this case foot foot food, food refluxology for one person at a time right so how how do you con- weigh all these things together and, and unpack it when you start you know managing such a business
2: I think it is the constant struggle that you are responsible for everything, you know, that you're responsible for CPF payment, their annual leave, their, uh, their MC, uh, their, grudges, uh, their grudges, their problems, and then customers coming after you and all that, right? So you do have to really deal with everything. I think it is the constant struggle and that was quite impacting my, my psyche for, for a while because, you know, I was also teaching on the side and also acting and then I have to handle all these
0: what's your thought about this as well right when you're starting a business or you know we call freelancers as well you are your own business right like I think sometimes you make it yourself where luck comes into play John was mentioning you know Bill Gates we all know who he is he's one of the handful of students in the world at that point of time with access to computer right and then how many people had that opportunity back in the 1960s so, this gave him a head start. But not everyone had that. So, luck plays a little bit of of a role into this as well. What's your take on that?
1: I truly believe in that. really believe in timing and luck and these yeah, things? Yeah, it's la. strange.
2: It, it's strange, you know. I didn't want to give the business away. I, rather, I don't want to sell it. Like, give up this business after eight years, right? It's really, like, difficult. It's like throwing away, like, something that I built, you see. I decided because... I came to a point where I thought that I should just give up, right? And and thankfully, in 2020, uh, when I gave up, uh, the pandemic came and then it was actually a sign that, oh, that was a good decision. <laughs> in fact, uh, after I saw it away and the pandem- pandemic came, the owner who bought it was like complaining. La. Of course, they have to manage it. Right? I can't imagine myself managing it in the midst of that that circuit breaker and all that. But I was able to really be like, in a very cleanse mode, I left with not much of obligation because when you are a business owner, you have a lot of things that you have to consider because there's laws, there's also CPF, there's like all these regulators coming after you, you know, employees and all that. So when you give up the business totally, I felt that I was a freed man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that actually allowed me to do more in other stuff. That was a good decision because after that, I was really able to focus just on my teaching and uh, acting in fact my teaching obligations became more and as a as a net impact to my wealth right it actually grew a lot more than when i'm managing a few things you know what i mean yeah so when you give up something it allowed me to really focus and that i was able to then grow my wealth right, in a sense so the timing is very interesting that's why my uh previous boss keeps saying that in life it is about timing and also it's different seasons for different reasons. I think that's so true.
1: Oh, so true. yeah, so You have different
2: seasons in your life.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah, I believe that all these elements that are out there do play a part in who we are and shaping who we are today. The people that we meet, the law of attraction, and I think our own psyche—what we are actually trying to attract—all uh, these play a part. So luck is definitely like true concept that uh, it's like applicable to all the different professions out there. Um, you could jump into a new position and then you can meet the mentor of your life. You could uh, land yourself a role uh, with the right director and then you catapult into instant uh, stardom. You could work for the rest of your whole life and still be a list actor. That's also possible. Um, so really it depends on where you start, how you start, who you meet, and then, you know, the different elements all coming together so that's a very abstract uh, so, but, but notion how, that you're talking
1: but how do you create something like that though uh
2: how do we how do we navigate
1: or how yeah, do we how, how do you create or navigate our, and, and orchestrate your own luck and so on
0: but you must also be a, a person who is ready to accept that opportunity at that same time right
2: we have to be prepared for the opportunity to come and in order for us to be prepared we always have to get ready right so the get ready is always we can't be just you know, just uh standing aside and then just thinking that oh you know waiting for the opportunity to knock, but we have to harness our skills, you know learn, upgrade, and uh you know sort of network and all that and then once the opportunity strikes, then you know that you have taken the opportunity well you know in your own way uh, but of course, as what uh Sean has asked, I think sometimes you do have to orchestrate a little bit you that's why you need to plan, you need to be strategic about it. You need to know what are your choices. Like for, for example, an actor cannot be constantly going for a feature role or beat role because the more you do that, the more you are being cast for a particular kind of set of uh, work, right? You need to understand the game as well. I mean, as an actor, you go in. You need to understand that this is a business that you need to also navigate. It is not so much the passion for acting, but you need to treat yourself as a business as well because you are also being used, you know, by dramas and by uh, producers for numbers for viewers as well uh, for, for for views as well. So sometimes we can't be too passionate about certain things, right? Uh we, we do have to understand that a lot of things are also due to commercial forces. So no point just barking on the wrong tree and then get upset about it. Hmm.
1: Well, I think on the note of commercial forces, it's also a lot to do with resources, right? I mean, if you look at the Bill Gates, the computer was available to him in his school because his, his parents bought it for the school and then so, so he had access to it and that gave him a head start in computing and the rest is history. Then if you look at, let's say, like Ber- Berkshire Hathaway, he ever said sometime back, I think in 2013, he said that uh, at, at one of the shareholders meetings that if you actually remove the few of the the top investments that Berkshire Hathaway did, right, uh, the the long-term track record is actually pretty average. It's not... It's not extraordinary. Uh, but because of the, the top investments, these you know, it looks really good. So having said that, these are situations whereby they are coming from a position where they especially for away, you can get majority of the opportunities wrong to find that small, to find that few that work, right? But the reality is that for just most of us, there's only two, three opportunities and before, and then it all runs out and we have none. How would you go about finding finding the or well, making full use of the two or three opportunities you're going to get in life
2: what you said is so true uh, but also very pessimistic <laughs> it is
1: <laughs> but also, I mean, it's, I mean <laughs> you are comparing ourselves ordinary people to guys who with all these resources it, it's not a problem for them right and so they're like oh yeah I've, I've had you know, majority of my things I failed but look before I found this thing that works so well. But how you you had the luxury to fail many many times, <laughs> you. But Yan and I, we can't fail many times. You have two or three failures before I've got nothing left to no more money or no more resources to. to it's just to the same fail.
2: metaphor when we say um the big becomes bigger because of you know the fact that they are already big, and then we say that the big five tech companies are dominating the world because they are are so big, and then they are just uh, eating up all the smaller fishes. Uh, then we, we talk about uh, the divide, and also we talk about uh, the world is getting, you know, very, very lopsided as, as a result of that. I think that is so, I mean, true at this point. So I do think that uh, internet or social media do make a difference here as well, uh, because we saw that uh, a lot of things have been leveled. We saw that there's a lot of balance of play, a lot of balance of power as a result of social media and technology. We saw that there's a lot more voices. We saw that people are given more rights, and that um, the anti-establishment movements have become a lot more stronger. So things have changed, I would say, and that uh, while we say that the traditional forces are still there, where the political elites or people with certain kind of uh, power are still dominating uh, the world scene, I do see that the smaller or the players are also you know being more uh sort of uh, active right and they are actually making a difference as well so I think it's a matter of people in privileged positions also knowing that despite the fact that they are privileged they do need to do their part right in moving the narratives of the world as well I mean look at Elon Musk right he, he is someone who is shipping and changing the narratives he's rich right but I think he's also doing things that are trying to certain like a uh, rock the system all right but of course there are certain wealthy people who are not doing as much or who who i think should do more um but i think it's a it's a question of whatever you're given uh like if life gives you lemons then you just make sure that you create whatever good drinks that you can create uh so what throws onto you then you make do with that and then create something that's magical um so what you said is true i think we can't change too much about the system of the world but um, if you are given two chances then make sure that you make good use of these two chances if you're given 10 chances then make sure that you make good use of these 10 chances if you're not given any chance then you create your own chances it's just this Never say die attitude as cliche as it sounds. You just have to continue to just work t- towards that. You know, just try to open the door for yourself. When I was maybe 29, 20, uh, 30, I was actually traveling quite a bit to do regional marketing. So I was working for Panasonic and I traveled uh, extensively. I didn't see exponential increase in my wealth. Uh, as you all know, right, as we work for corporate companies, we work so hard and then the bonus don't come, the promotion don't come, and then the, all the salary increments don't come as well. I will not say upset, but I, I just felt that uh, something got to change, right? My modest operandi has to change. I always felt that, oh, that's the only way to earn money. Actually, I think the pivotal part was when I reached, when I re- reached that poor that. So it's still based on reading, <laughs> based on this concept that was given or passed down and it just opened my mind and it was like, oh, Eureka moment. And then I started to of possibilities you know then i think of lecturing i think of opening up a business then i went on to do many other things as well so i think it was that period of time when i constantly felt that i was putting a lot of work but i don't get a lot of returns right in terms of everyone was working so hard you know we had to go in there 8 a.m and then we knock off at 9 p.m you know, because the wow. director was driving us nuts. Of course, he's really a good uh, mentor, but he was really training all the young minds to work so hard for him, right? Back then, during the Panasonic time, Sony time, it was the electronics war, uh, right? So if you recall the 3D players and recorders and Plasma TV, those times, uh, we had to work very hard. So I then realized that I have to change my modus operandi, and that's how I changed.
1: What is the tenure that you put uh when Dennis still invests his money. Invest
2: in making sure that you become better as a person because if you invest in yourself, then you have better judgments, you have better connections, you have better relationships, um, you have more wisdom, <clears throat> right? Um, but that aside, I think it depends on the area that you are interested in. So, of course, you look at broad pictures. For example, you look at what industry is thriving, right? So, in certain industry. Uh, it is doing well, and that's where you potentially want to also invest. That's more like, you know, when you do stock pick, right? If you want to, you know, find the right shares to invest in, then you look at uh, which industry is growing, the GDP that's contributing and all that. So that's generally the big picture. Lah. Of course, the small picture is, if you look at, uh, you know, people who are managing the business, uh, um, the employees, the reputation uh, it has on social media or traditional media, then if generally they have good vibes, right, amongst the various stakeholders, then I think that's a good pick as well. Yeah, I think that's generally how I would invest. Yeah.
1: And right now, I think you are very passionate about helping. And I think I'm quoting from LinkedIn here, uh, helping small business owners boost sales, build credibility <laughs> and create a powerful presence. Using I mean, a low-cost, high-impact publicity and social media service. methods. <laughs> That's a way of getting them to hire my service. <laughs> by so, the way. without revealing too much of your trade secrets, why do you think that it that this is important, actually, that this uh, helping them to, you know, using low-cost, high-impact publicity and social media methods and other tools? I think one of the main reasons why I was able to do well with my food massage
2: business was that I came with a marketing background. I did PR myself. I networked with some journalists back then and I was quite involved in the scene as well. So I was able to apply all these little concepts in my own business. For example, I started my own social media contest. Uh, I hired influencers to come to my shop and then I was able to use very cheap methods to get the results. So I was able to see the real results because I sort of applied in my own business. But I realized that a lot of owners, business owners right now, they didn't come with the marketing learning or the education. So they hire a lot of people, right? Or they hire agencies or they hire freelancers to do do that. But a lot of times, these freelancers and agencies, they are filled with younger people as well. They might not have the real business experience, right? So sometimes they hire them, but it is also for the employees from the agency to learn. Right, which is quite costly, right? Because if you hire them and then they're actually learning and then they're trying out, it is a cost to your business. Right. So why not I offer my service who is someone who have done something uh similar to them. I understand their uh problems, their 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 issues, um, and I know how to fix it for them as well. So so I'm able to replicate some of the things that I did for them. And I think small business owners need that, you know. And that's why I wrote that book, 101 Ways to Get Publicity, which is also a way to get them to understand that publicity is so important, especially if they want to push out their brand or they want to market themselves. Yeah.
1: So, so you're basically saying you're saving them costs of having to train people from scratch or yeah, hire yeah, hires. Yeah.
2: yeah. Wow. And out there, there are a lot of all these so-called uh, gurus, right? I'm sure you know the internet gurus, the marketing gurus who are trying to get leads. All right, and they create a lot of all these uh, content and campaign to get the business owners to uh, use their services. But a lot of times, they don't get the results they want.
0: It was not so much about you getting a new skill. It was not you, you know, like landing into something new. It was basically using whatever you had on hand already, all your skill sets that you already had, all the know-how and doing things that you're already doing anyway and just reapplying them in different ways and at different points?
2: In a way, the more I teach, the more I learn. The more I uh, give services to people, the more I try to meet different people from different verticals or industries, the more I also learn as well. I get paid for learning (laughs) and also uh, it works for me. I mean, you're right to say that, you know, I'm, I'm using whatever I have to sort of carry on this whole... I don't know how to describe it, but it's this whole uh, idea about what I do and my services.
1: On the note of building verticals and future, how will you build For the future especially since we've seen uh, a whole host of new territories coming out like web 3.0 for example uh what does all of that mean to you
2: um interestingly i've been also teaching that (laughs) and that uh, we've been researching on the disruption that is coming from the tech companies we have been discussing on algorithm big data uh surveillance to privacy to surveillance capitalism and all these things. Yeah, that, so, that so 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 how's that
1: really gonna impact the future, especially for the creative industry and for all of us freelancers who are yeah, about to work in the I, industry?
2: I definitely think that a lot of the creative people have to tap onto technology and social media. I think in the past a lot of actors tend to be very passionate about their craft and they say, Oh, I just want to do acting for dramas and, you know, film and all that. But increasingly, we also see that a lot of people are becoming like influencers, doing live streaming and all that. It is something that we all have to adapt, and that we have to tell ourselves that if we don't change, right? All these tech uh, forces, uh, when they become big in a way, they would change our livelihood, right? So I think that foresight to to be fast enough to also adapt, and then to see, you know, as these big tech companies change, what are some possibilities? As we speak, we already see like in China, live streaming is a big thing, all right. Uh, digital payments, and as you said earlier, uh, esports, and you know all these live streaming. So there are new forms of communications and new forms of entertainment that's coming up, all right. And that if we don't adapt in any way, we will lose out. So it applies to not just an actor, but a producer, to a director, to anyone who is in you know journalism or even writing.
1: I, I think I think for sure, because if you look at, at job classifieds nowadays and and the way classes are scheduled, it's like they are they're not just teaching you to be a journalist. Or they're not just teaching you to be to be you know a director. or something. they also want you to be an editor, cameraman, <laughs> a, a, a videograph or if you're a journalist, a video digital videographer and editor. Or that. it's like how can you but it's very romanticized, right? That someone can do three, four jobs at the same time. and all these are all very labor intensive actually. It's very labour-intensive to do media. It's very intensive to be in the creative industry.
2: Where you need some kind of creativity, it still cannot be taken by robots or uh, algorithm or big data. But we already see that, you know, when it comes to journalism, uh, there are articles that are written by algorithms and just AI, you know, artificial intelligence. These are all writers who can write as well. When we talk about future technologies and the potential uh, ramifications, uh, there's a possibility that a lot of all these jobs will be taken over. And we have to be ready for it. Lah. So ov- obviously, I guess for creative people, um, we do have to find new ways to make ourselves more relevant. Yeah.
1: But from your financial advisor point of view though, and you look at the way the finance economy is all working, uh, you look at the blockchains, you look at cryptos, you look at, at just generally the way uh, people now invest in the different products, there How do you see the, all these uh, future tools impacting that future, in the, in the future economies?
2: Yeah, I think blockchain is definitely a key thing. There are also a lot of major reactions uh, that we are seeing, right? Cryptocurrency, NFTs. The younger people are very tuned to that, right? Even for us, we are still trying to figure out what's that. But uh, a lot of them are very fast to jump in the bandwagon. So these are all new forms of investment opportunities and that uh you know if we are early in the game sometimes you know if we hold on for a longer time we can see the results right that's the speculation for cryptocurrency uh, so it's just a matter of whether you you feel that that's going to grow big right and then whether you want to also participate in terms of making it big as well likewise for youtube uh tiktok right those who are now in the game they see that they are able to instant us uh, you know sort of monetize their own uh work and platforms as well so we have to see what's happening and then of course uh, try to also uh, see if that's something that you want to do.
0: Basically, you cannot wait until it happens and then by that time it's a little bit too late. You have to put yourself in that position to be open to those opportunities mm. when they mm. come by because yeah. once they're in front of you and then you start preparing and then it's too late, it's passed already.
2: Yeah. Don't be a laggard.
1: Don't go and FOMO
2: yeah, yeah, don't
1: uh, don't FOMO la. Because because if once you start to FOMO and then you, I mean, a few things can happen, right? It's either you you are late and then you you catch the the falling knife, or I mean, this in using money terms, or you just end up losing sleep because you're like, oh, I sold already, yeah. Then it eh, I ah, yeah, the price went up another hundred ah, percent, ah, yeah, and then you start to have all this buy seller's regret and all that. So it's, I think yeah, don't don't FOMO But that's easier said than done, of course, because information is so available nowadays, right? Yeah, easily available that you know.
0: And everything is so uncertain nowadays. I mean, things can change really day-to-day, minute-to-minute sometimes you will see. But speaking about the future and um, the uncertainty of it, freelancers, the future usually, you know, to a lot of them, it seems more uncertain than most, right, who might have a stable job. What advice would you give to a freelancer especially when they approach their finances and money and how they think about money?
2: Yeah, I think that is a very tough uh, question for freelancers: So, don't start too young to be a freelancer. I mean, if you are young, twenties, uh, uh, try to hold on to some full time job. I feel that it is important to really have full time job experiences for at least three to five years. And then, of course, with that regular income, you save up right so that you have some base to uh begin with. But if you really want to be a freelancer and that it works for you, I think there's no harm about it because Uh, At different juncture, you have different priorities as well, right? Freelancing allows you to also take care of other uh, areas of your life. For example, taking care of your aged parents or maybe taking care of kids. When you are a freelancer, there's a lot of other uncertain parameters, right? For example, even for myself, as a part-time lecturer, I am a freelancer and I could be cut anytime and I I had to prepare myself for not being able to be given that contract once again. So, when you are a freelancer, then you got to make sure that you keep all these alliances closed. I mean, people who hire you for a reason, you need to make sure that you do a job well for them, Uh, you, you have your post uh, report done for them or whatever, you know, make sure that they, they see that you're doing a good job and then they will continue to hire you, right? Sometimes people want to hire you because of convenience sake, right? Because it's that that is already repeating itself and you find that if you fall into that kind of system, then just go with it, right? But sometimes if the, rock, the the boat is rocked and then there's some change or that they need to rehire and all that, then of course, you know that your livelihood is at stake, then make sure that you have multiple uh, mul- livelihoods lah. and then of course, understand that uh, there's always demand and supply, right? Is there a lot of demand for your kind of services? So choose the kind of freelancing work that works for
0: you. So here's the question that we ask all our guests, right? So do you ever think, first of all, that that moment in time, that was your most uncool? If not, when was the most uncool? And what would you say to yourself then?
2: I think the most uncool period of my life was when I was in my tertiary uh, education. I was doing my poly in Mian Poly. Uh, and I was always the person who is like, not attending school and I didn't like school too much. Quite strange, right? Because I turned out to be someone who is like talkative and also being a lecturer and actor, right? But back then, I was actually not uh, socializing with a lot of people. I always go to lecture hall and I was hanging out at the back and then um, I was not the cool kid, you know? So I think that was the uncool period, yeah.
0: So what would you say to yourself if you could right now?
2: I would just say just be who you are <laughs> because I want want to change things I think things happen for a reason and that uh how I was back then made me who I am today I think things happen for a reason All right and then I just would t- tell myself that, oh, you know, I-, I think it's good that you kept quiet. <laughs> but then, yeah, or not being cool back then, yeah.
0: Life is a journey. Like. There's always up and yeah, down. Yeah. Right? So if people want to find you, you know, moving forward on your socials, uh, or, you know, they're looking for services, they're maybe a small business owner, they need some of your marketing essence, where can our listeners do that?
2: Wow, they can go to influencer.sg.com. <laughs> that will be if you are looking at hiring influencers or getting social media services for your business. Uh, my personal website is iamdennisstoel.com. If you are a director, <laughs> if you are a casting person, <laughs> that's where you can go and see my reels and you know my works there. If you want to just know what I do then just go to my social which is IG Dennis Toe SG Dennis
1: one word Dennis Toe SG
2: yeah all this self-promoting I'm not used to it but
0: (laughs) don't worry we will help you promote it it, then this is our whole point We're all for shameless publicity over here. <laughs> if you want to hear from our other guests coming up in our new episodes or catch up on our old episodes, do drop us a like and remember to click follow on our podcast. Also, tell your friends about us. Drop us a five-star rating. This is my shameless promotion, okay? Because it will really help us on all levels. So do it without worries because we know it is cool to be uncool.
1: Hi friends, if you have listened up to here, then we'd like to say a massive thank you. Thank you for your support for the Uncool podcast. This is the third edition and we hope that we can do more. So, if you have any ideas about what stories you can tell next, or any suggestions on how we can do better, then we want to hear it. Contact at, at work.asia is the place to tell us. Of course, you can always just drop us a DM. And until we are back with the fourth edition, remember that sometimes, it's cool to be Uncool.
0: Uncool was recorded on Audio-Technical Mic's.